Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. This is Calvin Rosser. You can find me at Calvin underscore Rosser on Twitter. And this is Steph Smith. You can find me at Steph Smith IO on Twitter. So today we, we're going to talk about remote salaries. So the world has turned more fully remote since the COVID pandemic. I think many of the companies that have chosen to go remote will stay doing so. But one of the big questions with the remote working world is, should you pay people equally based on their location or should you have location-based pay? So we're going to dive into that. So just for some context, Steph and I have worked remotely for all but a couple years of our career. So we've been doing this for a long time. We traveled the world, all kinds of stuff, and we've worked at different companies that are fully remote. So have thought a lot about this issue of should you pay people based on location or should everyone just earn the same salary? I'm going to kick it over to you, Steph, to hear your initial thoughts. Yeah. So my initial thought for this argument or this question rather for has been of course, everyone should just be paid based on the contribution to a company, right? Like, so if you contribute more to a company, you should get paid more. And if that means that you live in a low cost of living place, like who cares, right? You're, you're driving value for the company. So that was my initial perspective. But then the question becomes like, to what extent? And then also like what happens to people who are living in higher cost of living places like San Francisco or New York? Should they just like, <laughs> should they not be paid? What it takes for them to live a, a decent life. So I don't know where I actually land on this anymore, but I think it's a really interesting question to dig into. And I actually tweeted about this recently and just asked, do people think compensation at fully distributed companies should be adjusted based on location or not? And actually, you know, obviously this is just like a, a Twitter poll, only a thousand votes, but 56% said no, same role, same comp. 27% said yes, cost of living matters. And then the rest was just basically like, other or or just see answers. So a majority actually said same role, same comp. Yeah, it makes sense. Actually, so I think I, I fall pretty strongly on people should re receive different pay based on where they're located. And there's a few reasons for that. And the first is just thinking about it from the company's perspective. So employees, why do you pay employees a salary? Well, you pay them a salary for the output of the work, but it's not just that. Like you pay employees a salary that you hope allows them to sleep at night or be happy with their job and pay for their bills and all kinds of other things. And at the end of the day, that's going to depend on where you're located. Like if you're making $100,000 in New York, it's very different than making $100,000 in Argentina or Eastern Europe, et cetera. And there's all kinds of other kind of things that happen with this too. For example, companies they end up hiring more people when they're able to use cost of living arbitrage. So when I can hire an engineer in Bosnia for $60,000 and I can hire one in San Francisco for $175,000 at a minimum, I'm probably going to hire two Bosnian engineers, assuming that uh, they're happy with their pay and willing to take it and can do a good job because I'm going to be able to scale faster and put more resources into things and therefore create more opportunities for other people. But if I just have am constrained to the one San Francisco employee, then I probably get less done and end up, you know, not scaling as fast and not hiring as many people. The other consideration here is just around, you know, if you were to pay people the same salary for the same job in any place in the world, like what is the actual baseline? If you baseline in San Francisco, then all of a sudden everyone is paying San Francisco salaries. And so again, companies have just a more bloated cost infrastructure. They can hire less. But if you pay some lower rate, then people in San Francisco are maybe not going to be able to pay their bills. So I think it gets quite complicated. And on the surface, you know, should someone doing the same job as the other person earn the same amount? Well, it's a complicated question because 
at the end of the day, you have to think about who's hiring these people and what are the impacts on their bottom line, because that then impacts opportunities. Yeah, I think it becomes a lot more complicated than people think when they first respond to the question. One of the funniest responses to that Twitter thread was basically someone saying you get two answers based on demographics. For people leaving cities, they're saying same role, same comp, you know, basically don't drop my wage. And I actually saw some other comments along the same lines of like, if it's location based, I feel like I'm being punished for choosing to live in lower cost of living places. And then other people who are already in suburbs or maybe, I guess, Actually, what I think he meant here is places that are more expensive. And he basically, those people are saying living cost matters. Like, please increase my wage. Like I, I should be paid, you know, if I live in a high cost of living place like New York or San Francisco. But to your point, I think one of the things that's missing in, in that equation is like, even if in an ideal world, we could pay people exactly based on their value. How on earth would you measure that? (laughs) Right. It's really hard to say that someone just like definitively offers or drives more value unless maybe you're in like a very like repetitive role, maybe in, in CX or something. But how I have no idea how I judge my team in terms of like, oh, this person absolutely drives like 30% more value than this person and therefore should be paid more. And I think that, you know, eliminating location is a lot more complex. Also, like you said, where it's like, okay, if we if we pay everyone the same, then is that based on Bosnia? <laughs> is that based on LA? Is that based on, you know, where your headquarters are? So I do think it becomes a lot more complicated than it seems at face value. But one question I have is if you do pay pay based on location, isn't the natural evolution just going to become that every every company ends up doing a lot of location arbitrage? And like what happens to people living in SF or New York or or places that are really expensive? Well, I think we've been a part of remote companies that at least one of the companies I worked at had I think the majority of its workforce was located outside of the U.S., but there were still roles for people who are located in New York and San Francisco. And it's not like they didn't exist at all because there's still talent there and that talent brings different things to the table. I think at the end of the day, what happens when you just have a more global workforce, which is what remote enables is the people who are most talented are the ones with the most opportunities and they will always have opportunities. But for those people who don't have the skills that companies require, which is not always their fault, by the way, like you can get aged out of skills or something. Imagine trying to learn the internet at age 50. Like it's not impossible, but it's hard. And probably young people who grew up with it are going to be advantaged there. But I think it's a fallacy to think that the jobs just ma- magically disappear because companies are going to, they're going to pay for talent. Another thing is just, you know, many companies benefit from having remote workforces because you can have essentially people working 24-7. So if you just had your whole team working in Eastern Europe or India or something, you may not be as able to kind of keep a 24-7 business going as versus if you had people located across the world and people can just pick up at at different times and and keep the business going. So I think there's always going to be advantages for having people located in different places. And I also think that talent and skill will always be able to find opportunities in the market. But the question is what happens to those people who don't have uh, the requisite skills for certain companies or maybe have priced themselves out of a job? I don't know. Maybe maybe they can get more opportunities if they move. It's not crazy to think that you know, like people have been moving for years. They moved to New York or San Francisco, especially San Francisco for tech. Like people move to San Francisco so that they can get good paying tech jobs. And that's something that's always been happening. So I I think we've seen that people are willing to do those types of things. So you might actually see the opposite moving forward where 
the same people that moved to San Francisco years ago because that's where tech was. Now that tech can really be done everywhere and maybe you can get a developer in Eastern Europe for $80,000 instead of $300,000, companies are going to transition there. Maybe not all of them, but there is, I think, inevitably going to be a portion of those companies um, that are that are going to opt for that. And, and therefore, the supply and demand of being in San Francisco or similar places maybe just won't make as much sense. So those people, if they don't have the skills to truly be in the top 1% of people in San Francisco, may have to move to a lower cost of living place and also opt for a lower salary. That's true. Another thing that is just hard to predict, but which I think is an interesting example is as you start to pay people different things and they move to different places, that actually shapes the different prices and requirements in local economies. So one counterexample I always like to bring up for people who think that everyone should get the the same pay regardless of where they're located. Let's imagine that you have a two two workers at a US company. One lives in Argentina and is from there, and the other lives in San Francisco. If you pay them the same salary, let's just say $150,000 or something like a San Francisco tech salary, which is obviously high for many standards, but is is not crazy in that industry. The person living in Argentina making $150,000 is now going to be making a lot more than like CEOs of companies that employ hundreds or thousands of people in Argentina. And that could Mm -hmm. just be like a, a talented UX designer. And so what you get happening in different places, if you start paying people San Francisco salaries in places that don't require that, you actually get a disruption to the like local hierarchy in a place. And I know that I don't know exactly what would would happen there, but you may then incentivize the people who would be CEOs in Argentina to just work for U.S. companies and provide a lot less innovation in local areas. It's kind of like a counterintuitive thing that is hard to to play out in your head, but this disrupts like basically local economies, and we don't know the effects of that. And it's it's important to not like completely discount them when you think about well, what does it mean when I start paying people X. Yeah, I think it gets back to the idea that this is just way less straightforward than like people who are like, I absolutely should be paid, you know, what I'm worth and vice versa. It's not just like the one to one relationship. This impacts the workforce everywhere. In fact, one of the comments was from someone in India and he says, I'm from India. One hundred twenty five thousand dollars in India is greater than the salary of a top executive of a top company here. Like you were saying, he said, I don't personally know anyone making that much, but it's a starting salary for a dev in Silicon Valley. And he added IC location adjustment as a fair deal. So yeah, I think it's really interesting. I, I'm i not fully sure where I stand on this. I, like I said before, when I, if I were to have heard this question three years ago, I would have been like, absolutely, I should just be paid what I'm worth regardless of where I live. After thinking about it more and seeing some of the perspectives from around the world, I think if I were to run a company, and this is not correct, what I'd do is I would make it location-based, but only it would basically have like a minimum, right? So a pretty good salary, no matter where you are in the world, and maybe great, <laughs> depending on where you're from. And then a little bit of a location adjustment on the upside, if you are in SF or New York or somewhere really expensive. Yeah, I think it comes down a little bit to, so all companies should have their own choice in this. I don't think there should be anything mandated. And one way I would think about this if I was a CEO is like, what is your philosophy of what a salary means to your employee? Because as you know, we've talked about before, and we'll probably talk about again, a salary is one component of why you would take a job. There are psychological benefits, there's social benefits, there's learning benefits, there's all kinds of things. And that equation looks different for different employees. But for me, one of the frameworks I always use when it comes to salary is I want to be paid enough that I feel like the amount of work that I'm doing 
I'm being paid my fair share for that. And that I can basically sleep at night knowing that I'm getting paid and not thinking about, oh, I should be getting paid more. Because once people start thinking, oh, I'm underpaid, then their energy is not going towards productive work and what they're designed to do. Instead, they're maybe spiteful or they're angry at the company or whatever it may be. So for me, it's all about what is that sleep number for people? And I think that's going to look different depending on where someone is from. And that's totally fair. But that's how I've always thought about it. And I would rather pay someone an extra 5K if that's going to make them feel settled and and just focus on work instead of trying to think about how they compare against the global set of peers. Yeah, totally. Something that comes to mind that I, it'll be interesting to just watch this and how companies choose to structure their compensation as we move forward. Because as you said, we in the past, there weren't that many companies working fully remotely. Now with the pandemic, there are so many. And both of us have experienced this, I think, before, where certain companies before the pandemic that were fully remote saw that as like a very significant value add to their employee base. And in fact, I think it helped them keep their retention high, regardless of, I'm not speaking about any companies in particular, but like they could even at some places pay less, right? Because people loved the freedom that they got in as a yeah, trade-off re- to maybe getting paid less. Like you could exactly. go travel, you could go live in Bali and you could make maybe 30% less than you did in the US, but you were still living gloriously because of how low the cost of living was there. Exactly. And so I wonder how those salaries will shift, right? Because now, (laughs) I mean, it's still definitely a perk to be able to work flexibly, but I wonder if now companies can't really use that as a perk so much because you can get that everywhere. And I also wonder if some of those companies that were using it as a perk would see retention drop because if they had other issues, those people would be able to switch to other companies. Definitely. I want to go back to your idea about like salary bands is I think what you were talking about, which I think is the nice middle ground of this whole thing. I think this is actually the appropriate way to pay for roles. I've seen it differently where some people get paid like double for the same role and it's just because they were better negotiators or something or they required more money and it wasn't even always location-based. And there's obviously like some gender and, and other racial things that often go on here. So I don't want to discount that. But at the same time, I think the way that is appropriate for a company to do this is you have salary bands for particular positions. And if you want to move to a different band, you need to be promoted, whether that's like managing more people or taking on more responsibility or producing X output or having whatever incentives tied to your output. That's like a fair way to do it. And then you make a slight adjustment uh, based on location. Another thing just in thinking about this whole system is the world is becoming more global and has been for a long time. And so even if one company decided, hey, I'm going to pay more for you know people in Eastern Europe than another company, well, that company only has so many roles. And there's going to be people in Eastern Europe probably who are willing to take lower salaries than people in San Francisco. And that's always going to exist. So I think you could, if you just took the hard stance, hey, I should get paid a San Francisco developer salary. Well, you may just price yourself out because there's going to be other people who are their sleep number or their salary number, whatever they need is going to be lower because they actually don't need that to live and thrive. And so you have to remember that you're in a competitive marketplace. And I think the overall outcome of all of this is that skill and talent are going to win and people are going to pay for that. And it's going to be much harder for people who don't have the skills that the job market pays for. And I think an important point to stress on, on that part is you can be really talented at certain things. Say you're an amazing poet, it just so happens that the world doesn't value and pay poets the same <laughs> same way they do as uh, software developers. And so 
just in, if you want to make a lot of money, sometimes you have to look at the markets in the world and say, well, if this is my goal, then I need to reskill or I need to find ways to be in these positions that pay more money. I feel this pain. I want to be an author, a writer. At the same time, I don't expect to make the same thing that I did as a, a growth marketer in Silicon Valley as a writer. I would have to achieve like the top 1% of success to achieve that. And I just know that going into that. So I think part of it is also just being real with yourself and the job that you're doing and the skills and how they're valued in the market. And just even understanding how you compete on a, on a global world now, which makes it even harder. Yeah. I have two quick thoughts there. One of them is this idea that with pretty much anything, the internet is not an equalizer. So it's an equalizer in the sense that it gives a lot more people access to a lot more things, but it's not an equalizer in the sense that like basically anything, anytime something gets democratized, the best rises to the top. And this is the case here, as you were just talking about, like the most skilled people will get paid probably a disproportionate amount with everything going remote, at least compared to when things were more location-based, right? If you are the top developer in like some random country, let's say you're the, t- the absolute best developer in the world and you happen to be living in Jakarta, you're not going to get paid that much with, you know, where you're, where you happen to be living, but with everything completely democratized, like you can make a lot more than what you were making before. But that also means that someone who's an average developer in Silicon Valley will get paid less, right? Because those Silicon Valley companies no longer need to rely on just who's living in Silicon Valley. So that's the first thing. And then you mentioned a word, which I noticed, which is like fairness. And I think that's something really important that I, <laughs> I struggle with. So when I think about how I'm paid or, or what my salary is, fairness plays a, a bigger role than I would you know, honestly like to admit. And I think this happens with a lot of people where it actually matters less exactly what you make, but how you compare to other people. And also some more emotional sides of that, where if you, for example, feel like certain information is being like not disclosed, if you feel like people are making more than you, just even if you just feel that and that's not true, I feel like that is when you start to get upset about your own salary more so than others. And so I think one of the really interesting movements recently has been open salaries, right? So just like you mentioned bands, like companies actually disclosing what those bands are and not many companies are doing this, but I'm starting to see a couple more every single year. And I think that's a really interesting movement that really, it makes it such that it may not be a perfect system, but it feels more fair because at the very least, even if I'm not making as much as someone else, I know that and they know that and it's like openly disclosed. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, one of the worst things I've seen for employee satisfaction is when you find out that you're getting paid less than someone, especially if you feel like you're doing a better job than that someone, you can actually go from being happy with your salary to being completely pissed off and feeling like it's unfair and all of these things. And fairness is tricky because it's a very personal thing. We talked about this in a previous episode, but you compare yourself to other people and often you know, you choose that comparison set. So I may be upset that I'm making X relative to other people in Silicon Valley. But if I was comparing myself to, I don't know, people living in in Florida or some other place or some other group of people in a different industry, I may actually be in a really good position. So fairness is a pretty tricky one there. But I think you can mitigate this issue of of paying people different things and having them being really upset about it by these open salaries. And that's that's a good way to do that because that can drive employee satisfaction just deeply into the ground. And it's, it's one of the most dangerous games you play when you start paying people radically different things. Another point I just want to bring up is 
people want their cake and they want to eat it too. So let me just say this. There are lots <laughs> of products that we pay for that we feel like are good deals and that are a reasonable price. And you can find them all online and at Walmart and Amazon and all these places. The reality is these products are produced in places where labor is cheaper. And if you suddenly make labor more expensive across the world, you simultaneously have to be willing to pay a lot more for things, probably three to five X, if, if you truly wanted this idea of fairness of salaries and all these other things. And it's one thing to like be totally against sweatshop style labor and people being treated unfairly and all of that, like none of that should ever happen. But at the same time, this kind of location arbitrage that companies have been doing for a long time, especially those that produce physical products, is the same reason that you can have a higher quality of life and buy TVs for $200 and get Netflix for $11.99 and all of these other things that you enjoy in your life. So I think if you're going to make certain arguments, you have to realize like there are these other effects and that if I told you the price of everything on Amazon was going to 5x, I'm not sure that you would hold the same position. Uh, and in fact, <laughs> the quality of your life might be lower too. So I think that that helps kind of complete a little bit more of a, a full picture of, of what can happen. Yeah. The final thing I have to say is totally agree with you there. And one of the things that's really helped me get a little more perspective on this has been since I entered a hiring position. So before when I was only being hired, I was always like more, 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 like, why do I not get paid as much as this person? Like just only seeing one side of the coin. And then once you enter a hiring position, I do think it helps not necessarily fill in all the gaps, but then you see how hiring is done, but also why certain actions are taken sometimes, why companies make decisions such that they they do, for example, take advantage of location arbitrage because they're trying to hit their bottom line, right? They're trying to create a product. They're trying to employ their entire workforce and they do need to make some of these calculus. They do need to do some calculus to get there. And so well, that really helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get what I'm saying, right? They need to make some of these decisions to make sure that, you know, some people might disagree with me here, but a company employing 100 people, if they are trying to satisfy all of those 100 people perfectly to all of their desires, will actually probably end up employing zero people, right? Because <laughs> the company will go under and, and not be able to employ them. So it's important to, as you said, make sure that we're not doing anything terrible and that we're servicing employees and and they are important to organizations, but the organizations do at the end of the day need to stay alive. And so I think anyway, the, my point was that once I entered a hiring position, some of this just shaped my perspective a little more on both sides, which I didn't have before. And then the final thing I'll say about, we mentioned bands is just I think bands are really helpful because they give you constraints and sometimes constraints are helpful where I always say that from my perspective, anyone in the exact same role should never be paid more than 30% more or less than their counterparts. This is separate actually from the location argument, but the reason for this is because- Unless it's something if someone's, that's commission-based. I think if you sure. end up in that role and it's performance-based, then yes, but generally I agree with you. Probably 20 to 30% is a sensible number. Exactly. And so there is some lenience there, but as soon as you're, if you really are like someone's asking for a raise and they're already making 50% more than someone else, and you're like, oh my God, you're going to basically make double your, your counterpart. What I think is important there is it, it gives you the constraint to then be like, maybe this is the right move. But in that case, someone should either be promoted or demoted from my perspective. So either someone is like, they have done so much to actually, to, they deserve this increase or they are doing the right amount of work and someone relative to them is really not keeping up pace, in which case maybe they, they're not 
necessarily going to get fired, but their role should be re- reassessed. Definitely. I think a lot of the things that, that you talked about and some of what I touched on come down to a single principle that I just think is really important for allowing people to decide whether they want to be a part of a company and then also being a part of uh, developing themselves there. And it's clarity. So I think open salaries and bands, they provide clarity. If you're in this role, here is kind of where you're at based on your location. And here's where you can get to. And you know that. And if you change roles, then that equation looks different. But without that clarity, people kind of stumble in the darkness. They may actually be at the highest point of the band and they don't know. And they're wondering why they can't get raises or something like this and don't realize they just need to go into a different role or potentially even change companies. And then on the flip side of that, if people are getting paid less, they need to kind of understand why that is. And I I think companies just on the whole can do a better job of providing clarity to their employees within reason. You don't want to disclose everything, of course, uh, because that can cause too much chaos. But that clarity can stop people from both being upset and also, I think, increase retention. I know some of the times I've been most upset at companies, it's because I feel like I'm running into walls and I don't know why that is. I think being in hiring positions can help you better understand things and just, I guess, going longer in your career and just seeing different situations. But without clarity about policies, about salaries and all these things, I think a lot of companies do themselves a disservice. And I forget what it, what is it called? It's like the golden lie. Like people, companies think that they're protecting their employees by not disclosing information. And actually, sometimes they're not. They're actually frustrating them because people do talk. They find out information. And when that information is coming from a source that's not you, it may not be accurate. And it also may really piss people off and and give them a really sour taste in their mouth. And that is never worth it. Totally. So I think the key takeaway here is that solving some of these issues is not as straightforward as it seems. And that I really do think when you get some perspective on being different sides of of the argument, it can help you kind of think through the problem more. And there isn't necessarily a right or wrong answer. But the one thing that I think we, at least the two of us agree on is that more transparency, the better. Agreed. Cool. cool. Well, shall we wrap it up? Yeah, this was what, episode four? This is episode four of our 30-day podcast challenge to be better podcasters, where we're publishing one episode per day. If you enjoyed it, definitely let us know. If you didn't, definitely let us know that too. And leave a review if you if you liked the episode. And tell us what kind of topics you like. Yeah, we need some more topics. Just kidding. We have a list of like 100. <laughs> okay. Right. Thanks, everyone. See ya. 